I, I kind of joked about it in my lead today. Uh, he had such a good year that they went out and got two guys to, to replace him, uh, you know, which is ha- half true, half not true. Uh, you know, kind of everywhere last year really did well uh, under difficult circumstances. And he looked stronger, he looked for years. He had gastritis, he had all kinds of allergies, couldn't keep his weight up. He was down to 160 at one point. He played it last year at about 180. Try, uh, he's trying to get up to 185. And, he hit, and the cool thing was later in the year, Everybody else was wearing out. He started really driving the ball. He looked like he could find it, get his pitch, and and hit it with authority. Uh, now, uh, last year he had to play some center field. Now Michael Taylor is going to be the backup center fielder. Last year he had to play some short. Now Kyle Former is going to be the backup shortstop. And those are probably his two weakest positions. He's probably best at second and left field and uh, pinch running, pinch hitting, uh, playing a little third if possible. Uh, he can play short and center, but they're not necessarily strengths. So. You know, it, it. He had a really good year. Uh, he's not necessarily going to get as much playing time this year. And of course, injuries always dictate, right? I mean, uh, you, you talk about that yeah. all the time. That uh, you know, injuries are going to happen. Guys are going to need days off, so there'll be playing time for him. There will be playing time for him. Uh, not as, you know, and of course, that, that, as I'm saying, those last year was. They have to hope that last year was an aberration in terms of the sheer number of injuries. Now they have a deeper bench than they had last year. Farmer and Taylor are both guys who could start on other teams. Uh, Taylor's an exceptional defender. Bald was saying yesterday he could see uh, Taylor and Buxton play next to each other in the outfield. Uh, between Gallo, Taylor, uh, Buxton, Kepler, that's just a phenomenal defensive outfield. And no matter what, even if and Buxton's obviously the best of them, but even without Buxton out there, that would still be a phenomenal defensive outfield. So uh, I don't know. The more time I spend around in this camp, the more I, I actually start feeling optimistic about this team. Jim, how about Joey Gallo? Um, a guy that uh, strikes out a lot, doesn't hit for a high average, but he can hit the ball over the fence and he can take some walks. Uh, is there a possibility he could have a nice bounce back year, maybe you know, hit 30-plus home runs? They're hoping that's exactly what they're getting here. He is an excellent defender, uh, strong throwing arm, can play first base. Uh, you know, Kirilov, I think, is going to be the starting first baseman. Gallo is probably going to be his the guy who, who plays there when Kirilov is not in the lineup. So he gives them some position flexibility, which obviously they know they know we know is very important in modern baseball. Uh, he does strike out too much, no doubt about it. But they also think that uh, he just didn't seem very, you know, he was a promising young player. He just hasn't seemed comfortable the last couple of years. Uh, they really like him as a guy. Uh, they think they can help him, uh, you know, take better at bats. Now, that's always easy to say in spring training. It's harder to pull off down the road. Uh, but they, they think there's upside there. And and as we know, <clears throat> modern baseball, if you hit home runs, then the strikeouts become more tolerable. Is the expectations for Max Kepler different? I mean, it, there there was a time where he was expected to be, you know, a guy who bats in the middle of the lineup, hits for an average, hit the ball over the fence, but just hasn't had a very good stretch over the last couple of years. Had a really good talk with about him uh, with Smalley on our podcast yesterday, and he says that he thinks Kepler is a key to this team because Kep, if Kepler gets going again, uh, gets his head right, takes good at bats. It benefits from the ship not being there and taking away the line drive hits. Um, gets in a better frame of mind than he has been in the last few years. He could bat third or fourth on a really good team. He could hit 30 home runs and be a real, you know, he could be a guy, as they say in the game. 
Uh, if he doesn't do those things, then you're looking for somebody else to fill those middle roles, and you're hoping for a younger guy like Kep- like Kirilov to really or Miranda to really carry you. Kepler's a veteran. He's done it before. He's been really disappointing since 2019. Uh, he did talk. He has talked a lot about the fact that uh, the broken toe last year really kept him from being able to plant and turn and hit with authority. Uh, doesn't excuse his performance other years. Uh, there is a sense, and once again, this is spring training talk. Everybody's optimistic, but there is a sense talking to people down here that they, that combination of him being healthy, uh, he came in with a lot of extra muscle. He looks big and strong. Uh, and knowing that his, his career is kind of on the line, you know, he goes one way, he could make $300 million in this game. He goes another way. He's going to be playing fourth outfield for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, uh, and sometimes that, that shock of urgency when young players realize that it's not just a, you know, uh, a yellow brick road to, to fame and fortune, sometimes that shocks people into performing much better. Jimmy, you surprised that Miguel Sano hasn't gotten an invite uh, anywhere? I am. I thought he would be a natural for a bad team, to, you know, like the old bad twins team, early 2010s, the bad twins team. They would pick Miguel a bottle you know yeah this guy's had problems he strikes out too much there's still a lot of talent there maybe you know maybe we can do the david ortiz thing maybe we can benefit from another team giving up on a talented guy um so it's really concerning and and listen uh sano has all kinds of flaws uh he's had you know he's had his personal problems as well i don't think he's an evil bad guy by any stretch of imagination i i've seen him improve his work ethic the last few years um and there's still a lot of power there. So either there's something lurking that's really bothering people, or they just look at his swing and say, that's just not going to work. What happened with uh, the twins in him? Did they just feel that uh, they needed to move in a different direction? Yeah. I mean, you, you give young, talented players every opportunity until it comes time where you got to sign them to another long-term contract. So as long as he was under contract, they were going to, they were going to hope just hope that he was going to something was going to click for him. Uh, you know, being injured again last year, not performing well. I think he got in a bad frame of mind. I think he sulked a lot at AAA. Uh, there's really, you know, there was really no reason to bring him back unless you thought, once again, unless you thought something was going to click with him, there's no reason to bring him back. And, you know, I always, as I always say about David Ortiz, if David Ortiz had spent his entire career with the twins, probably wouldn't have had much of a career. He needed that shock of actually realizing that he had to start working like crazy and taking responsibility for him to be a better player. Jim, the uh, Gopher men's basketball team went to Illinois. They were down six at halftime, down dive double figures, ended up losing by nine. Um, you know, and Dawson Garcia, having him back certainly has been helpful. Uh, Jamison Battle scored 31 last night. Your thoughts on the Gopher basketball team? Yeah, I, I, I hope I'm not being too redundant. I, I don't see this team winning. I didn't see this team winning many games. They're having a bad season. That's not probably not going to change. I do like if you're looking for any signs of hope, the fact that Battle and Garcia are getting to play together and they're being very productive right now. It, that's their sign of hope. Um, combine those two. Uh, some of the other young talent get a little luck. Bring in the two recruits next year. Maybe you have a Big Ten team. Uh, Jim, they're going to play at Maryland uh, tomorrow night, and is it just kind of trying to get better, playing out the string kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you want, I mean, you want Garcia and and Battle to come out of the season 
playing well together, playing well off of each other, and having some optimism. Uh, and hey, with the transport portal looming, you want people, whatever the record says, you know, you want these people feeling some optimism about next year and having a chance to improve. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to bring in your top two recruits and have other people leaving. So it, you know, that's where that's where if you're Ben Johnson, you're in a delicate position. You know, you can't can't. You know, not that he's a screamer, but you can't be the old school coach who screams at these players. They'll just leave. So Johnson's in a, in a tough spot. He's he really needs Battle and Garcia to stick around. He really needs Carrington to improve. He needs some other younger guys to improve. And he's got to kind of uh, get that out of these guys while they don't have much of a chance of beating good teams right now. Jim, uh, Red McCombs, uh, former Viking owner, passed away at the age of 95 yesterday. Any thoughts on Red and his time when he owned the Vikings? I spent a lot of time with him before the sale and right after the sale. I uh, went down to San Antonio to do a big piece on him, spent took a couple trips there. One time I was down there, the deal got done, and I told him I wanted to do more. And he said, right, get on the plane. And so uh, <laughs> I got on his private jet. We flew to Durango, Colorado, spent a couple days up there, did a big piece on him. Uh, I found him to be very fun and and lively, entertaining, interesting guy. Uh, and he and really, I think he bought the Vikings to strip and flip them. Uh, I think that was his original. And then he got to camp and he realized, oh, my God, they have Randy Moss now. And this is a good team. They have Chris Carter. And then he's like, OK, I'm investing in this team. Uh, they come close. You know, they had a team that could have won the Super Bowl that year. Then a couple of years later, uh, things go south. Uh, and he was not such a great character to be around, and he, that's when he stripped and flipped the, the Vikings. That's when he basically stopped funding them as an organization and looked for a way to sell. So he was a good owner for a couple of years, and he was a terrible owner for a couple of years. All right, Jim, what do you got in your podcast? Uh, good Chin Music Show uh, uh, with me from Fort Myers and Lavelle and Roy is up at TalkNorth.com. A uh, bunch more com- shows coming out by the end of the week. Everything's at TalkNorth.com. All right, Jim, thanks. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Jim. It's Jim Suhan joining us from Fort Myers, Florida, covering the Twins. You can always follow him on Twitter at Suhan Strib. Check out his latest column in the Star Tribune or his podcast at talknorth.com. Next on WJON, World of National News from ABC. You're listening to the 